a privilege to share the Word of God and to uh, hopefully this morning bring a sense that God is renewing what we see, our vision, our life. While Jean and I were at North Park Seminary, we often had visitors and people were, people from Minnesota especially were astounded at the size of Chicago. And so uh, one time we went downtown and we decided to uh, go to the Hancock Building and you know, outside the Hancock building, it usually says how many miles visibility. Well, that particular evening, it said it was clear up to 50 miles, which was pretty cool. Actually, uh, one of the things I wanted to do was ride the express elevator up and down. I thought that would be as cool. But there was nothing in the sky, just stars, no clouds, no fog or anything. You could look north and see lights beyond Waukegan and up in that area. You could look east and south around the lake and see lights in the distance. You looked west and there were just miles and miles of city lights. And so uh, I figured it would be worth dropping a quarter in the telescope. And the first thing I noticed, I, I was sure that I had seen the Empire State Building. <laughs> but then they told me it was the Sears Building, so I didn't see quite so far. But the, the glory of those moments of being able to see clearly everywhere. It's like looking through binoculars. I actually thought I could see more than I could. And there were things I think that I was seeing that probably weren't there. As we look into uh, these two verses, this morning I want to open this up for us together as we see how this is vital to our sense of worshiping God for who he is, for what he has done. Now, Paul knew that his sisters and brothers in the church of Colossae needed his words of encouragement so that they could see all that God had for them. It wasn't too many years earlier, Paul had lived in Ephesus, proclaimed the gospel, did his tent making, all that, for about three years. The longest Paul was anywhere 
apart from his uh, wilderness experience after he came to know the Lord. Ephesus was the major city in Asia Minor. Kind of like we would claim that Chicago is the major city of the Midwest. Shipping, business, philosophy, religion, even entertainment. It was the center for this whole region. And Paul could envision people coming from all points, from the north and south and east and even west, hearing the good news about Jesus, responding, and and then taking that gospel with them to the many cities and areas where they lived. And the good news is, is that's how it happened. God turned Paul's vision into reality. People like Epaphras found new life in Jesus and carried it home. All the way to Colossae was about 100 miles. We'd be way beyond the Wisconsin border if we were going north, wouldn't we? In this short time, these probably four to five years, they had experienced growth, but there was an infiltration into the life and thinking of the church, uh, much like we see around us today, of things like relativism, relativism. Some of the believers had been seduced to combine things like paganism, secular philosophy, along with their faith. So Epaphras actually made the journey to Rome to visit Paul in prison. And he told Paul about not only the church in Colossae, but all of the churches he found along the way out to Rome. Paul heard these things, and I can guess there was some struggle and discouragement as he could see faces of people. And as he prayed, I think he dictated this letter that put the focus solely on the person of Jesus Christ. It was as if Paul had this huge spotlight and everything was pointed directly at the person of Jesus and how he entered into our world and his mission was to reconcile you and me. To find him as the real source of our life. Jesus gave us not only a pattern, but the power to grow spiritually. So my question to you is, how's your vision? Do you need a spiritual eye exam? 
Do you need some drops in your eyes to help you see clearly? I want to suggest that when we see through the eyes of God by his spirit, that is when we see life in its fullest. Life in its absolute full color and abundance. When we sing, open the eyes of my heart, we sing to see you high and lifted up. I would like to uh, share a video. It's called, uh, Dan, what's it called again? Dan, where are you? Smiling face. Watch this.
What's the word that came to mind as you were watching this? Awesome. Because what we are confronted with is the creative greatness of our God. Seeing the distance out, seeing that small quark at the very middle. And friends, that is really what we are called to do in worship, is to get a fresh vision every time we come together of who God is, his greatness, his glory, I have to confess, one of my favorite stories in the Gospels is when Peter is coming in from going fishing and Jesus is teaching and Jesus looks at him when he's done and said, have you caught anything? Well, no, Lord, we've been out all night and we didn't catch anything. Now, here's the rub. Peter, the fisherman, Jesus, the carpenter. The carpenter has the audacity to say to the fisherman, well, let's push out and see what we can catch. Peter was a little taken back. Can you hear the uh, sarcasm in his voice when he says, Oh, yes, Lord, we will do whatever you tell us. And when they get out there and cast the nets, what's, what happens? They catch this amazing catch of fish. And here's Peter's response. He turns to Jesus and he falls on his knees because he has seen a glimpse of of greatness there. And he says, Lord, go away because I am sinful. Because this is who I am. This is who you are. And I don't think they mix very well. <laughs> when we see the greatness of God, we are also drawn into seeing our own need that when we try and compare ourselves, <laughs> it just doesn't work that way, does it? Peter found out Peter caught that glimpse. And you know what? That's exactly why Jesus came into our world, your world and mine, to give us new life, new vision. So the view from here is, becomes God's view. It's totally his view, not dominated by my self-focused view of my life experience. It's not only why he came, it's why he lived to bring God's kingdom to give us love and life that we can never generate on our own. 
But that's why he died. To overcome this barrier of sin and bring us to God. Allow us to experience the joy of forgiveness. And that's why he rose. To settle once and for all the issue of death. And to let the whole universe know who's in charge here. Because the one in charge is the one that we call Lord. So how do we bring our focus in everyday living on Jesus? Matter of fact, how can we be fully focused? I would suggest that we must allow his word to live in us continually. Now, uh, some of you know there is a comedian by the name of Mark Lowry. Mark Lowry uh, also has sung with the Gaither Vocal Band, and he tells about a, a guy that he met, and this guy said, listen, I need someone to help me be accountable. Would you be my study and prayer partner? Mark Lowry said, sure. The guy said, hey, the only time I can do it is 6 o'clock in the morning. Lowry says, really? Wow. Well, the first couple days he made it. And by the way, he nicknamed his bed the Word. Because when the next time his friend called and said, hey, Mark, are you in the Word? Six o'clock, he says, oh, yes, I am, brother. It's really good. It's more than that, isn't it? This idea of living in the word. Paul is uh, here, as he does elsewhere, taking every opportunity to focus on how central Christ is to our lives, to our worship, to everything we are, that he is sufficient. He writes elsewhere that believers should let the Holy Spirit fill them. Now, it was never a question for Paul of whether uh, the word or the spirit would be separately known. They were so intertwined. So Paul would see that as the coming of the word is the coming of the spirit. And the coming of the spirit is the coming of the living and abiding word of God. So to enjoy this fullness of the Holy Spirit, we as his followers can be filled up to overflowing with his word. Where's the joy? It's where the word is not only proclaimed, but lived. That it is richly and abundantly available. We live in a world where so many other sources 
people look to to find something inspirational or spiritual. Here, Paul is saying our view must be filled with the living Christ. But I would also suggest that to be fully focused is being open. Open to learn, open to be accountable, open to be sharing wisdom. You see, the word of Christ, Paul says, is the directive for all the life of his people, individuals and together as community. It's my contention that when we stop learning, we stop growing. And when we stop growing is when we curl in on ourselves, isn't it? We become the center. And so Paul is encouraging us to be continually open. He says earlier in this letter, we must proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone perfect in Christ. Now that word perfect really, we would probably translate it better, complete. And then he says, to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. So we're focused on his word, proclamation, hearing, listening. We're focused on being open to learn and grow. But we can be fully focused in allowing music to be the language of praise and thanksgiving. Not only as an individual in my heart, but for the community. Paul was speaking here probably of the content of some of the uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The good news is that in the history of the church and as the church has experienced awakening, wherever the word is proclaimed and recovered, it is received with great joy. That joy expresses itself in praise, in music. So, from the beginning, the church was a singing church. And if you know a little bit about the history of our background and denomination, the mission friends were a singing people. Some wonderful songs. But it was inherited from the Jews. And those early church people often would spend the whole night singing hymns and songs. Can you imagine 
singing all night and then coming to try and stay awake in the middle of a sermon? Even the Romans recognized that these people met at dawn to sing a hymn to Christ as God. Paul wanted these psalms and hymns and songs to be consistent with the word of Christ. And so that celebration of God's mighty acts in Christ is by what we would call sola gratia, by grace alone, which is the sole basis, really, of our existence. It creates the realm in which our lives as Christians can exist and develop. This is the very reason God can be and needs to be praised. The gospel of grace echoes, echoes through the songs of gratitude. So Paul focuses on the centrality of Christ in in everything. But he says absolutely everything said and done must be in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is this name that brings us together in unity, which is the last five letters of the word community, by the way. Whatever we do in our words, in our deeds, our plans, decisions, activities, it is centered in our understanding of who God is and the ways that we worship him. So we do this with thankfulness. We do it in grateful ways of appreciation. At the very center and the core of our being, God longs for you and for me to be fully focused on him, even before driving in the parking lot. even before getting ready to come to church. Our focus is centered, brought together. Let me ask a couple questions. What can happen today when we are fully focused on Jesus Christ? I think one is that our time as community and worship will continue to grow more and more in authenticity and generate life in God's spirit. To the point where can you hardly wait to get together with your brothers and sisters? Can you look forward to Sunday morning with absolute anticipation to be together to express this greatness of God? To listen, to learn, to sing. 
Secondly, if we're being deeply rooted in God's word and his ways, they more and more become the norm for each of us. It becomes the way we do business, the way we do things. Not to settle for anything less than what God has in mind for us. Thirdly, we can learn to know. And I underscore the word learn to know God's forgiveness and to live in the freedom that he gives us with grace and with gratitude. That is a continual process every day, isn't it? Anybody have that one down yet? Learned fully, 100% what it's like to live free and forgiven? Fourth, our vision is changed. Everything we are and do for the glory of God is in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our motivation is changed. The reason we do things is not just so that I can look good for other people. It's for his honor. So that God gets the credit for what's happening fully. Friends, what's your view right now at this moment in this place? Is it a, a view where we need corrective lenses? Is it a view that longs to be renewed so that we can see life the way God enables us to, to be filled with his word, to, to learn and grow, and to, to be filled with those songs of praise. This morning, as we pray together, we're going to, uh, I'm going to lead us in prayer, and uh, at the end of each section, as it were, we are going to uh, sing part of that song, Jesus, be the center, be my source, be my light, Jesus. And so... We'll get the cue and we'll sing as we go through adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and intercession. I just want to offer this. this uh, yesterday received a, an email from our central conference. Karen Brewer, who is a pastor of the Covenant Church in the South Side, uh, is in the hospital. Her husband is in the same hospital 
for some other health issues, and at the same time her son is at Northwestern dealing with a very aggressive cancer. You know, you, you wonder how people deal with this stuff, right? Well, this is our chance to hold up the Brewer family. Karen Brewer is her name. So let's pray together and we'll respond in singing. Let's pray. Father.